And welcome back to In Your Corner. one in your corner is the number. And uh, help at inyourcorner.ca is the email we will refer to as we continue here and get your emails a little later on in the show. Lots of stuff to get through. A uh, week that was, we'll get to that in three ways. Uh, you can make your long-term disability claim stronger. But first, Savannah, you got a bunch of stuff to cover in advance of, right? That's right, John. Good. I just want to mention that... Uh, you know, we help a lot of different people out there with their long-term disability claims, but one group in particular that I think we're getting, I, I don't know why, but disproportionately amount of, of people coming from uh, are, are teachers. Uh, we have a lot of teachers contacting us with long-term disability claims, meaning that they've been told by the insurance company that they don't qualify for long-term disability for whatever reason. Their insurance companies give a whole bunch of excuses for that. Uh, or they've been on disability, uh, long-term disability, and then they get cut off. They're told by the insurance company, you'll no longer qualify for right. whatever reason. And we help them. Despite the fact that they're unionized, we are able to help them. So I want to tell, again, all the teachers out there, or if you know a teacher that is in that predicament, uh, just have them give us a call. It costs nothing to talk to us so we can give them the information they need to decide how they want to pursue uh, their legal entitlements. But they do have... Uh, in many instances, cases against their insurance gotcha. companies that we can help with. Now, I want to go on to something else. Lior actually forwarded me uh, a submission to the severance pay calculator, right? He does it on his employment show. He talks about employment yep. issues, and you guys talk about the severance calculator in the event that you're, you're let go from your job. You want to know how much you're owed. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. And this individual here wrote the following uh, as a note when, when he made a submission on the form. He wrote, my case is a little bit different. I've been off for 20 months uh, on LTD for stenosis of the spine and more recently suffered a heart attack one month ago. I've been told that our company must offer me a position that I can physically handle when my LTD runs out in December. And if they don't, they must offer me a package. Have you dealt with a similar situation in the past? Now, here's the interesting thing about this email. There is obviously an employment law component here that Lior deals with. Yep. But this individual here is taking it for granted that his LTD is going to be running out and he can't do anything about that. Yeah. He's literally trying to figure out what do I do with my employer because it, it, from what I can see here, he cannot go back to work. Well, that assumption obviously is flawed and we see this all the time. People who simply assume that when the insurance company cuts them off or tells them your LTD is about to end you know, there's nothing more. They simply take that at face value and they assume they have no recourse. Right. Now, listen, if your policy goes to age 65 and you just turn 65, well, then we can't help you. I mean, the policy was paid out. But if you're 40, 50, 60, whatever it is, if your doctors are saying that you are disabled from working and the insurance company, for whatever reason, says we are not going to cover you, we're not going to pay you LTD or we're going to cut you off LTD, and you think that's wrong and your doctors say that, that that's wrong, give us a call, email us, get in touch with us so we can give you the information you need because chances are you have a case. And when I say you have a case, what I mean by that is that chances are the insurance company owes you money that we right. can help you get. one in your corner is the number, James. Yeah, I want to uh, just go back to that, that last email there. Um, it's something that we see a lot and it's understandable if you do this long enough why people feel when they're told by their insurance companies that their claim is going to end, that they don't challenge it or even understand that they can. And that's by design. It is a process every step of the way. The insurance company is trying to maintain their power mm. and make you believe that you do not have a claim when it comes time to cut you off. 
And it starts by the communication they have with you. They'll use language and they'll say over the phone, you're going to need to get back to work pretty soon. And they'll start telling you that that's what the policy says and that really after two years, there's no way around wow. it. Um, they will you know, tell you that you, you mentioned that you're improving or that your doctor's records showed this or that. They'll cherry pick little pieces of information to make you believe that this is really the way it is and there's no point in fighting it. And so more often than not, when people are ultimately denied, they don't understand not only that they're entitled to, but in fact, they may have a very strong case because they have been led to believe at every step of the way that their claim is not valid or that they do not have the entitlement to benefits beyond the time when their insurance company has told them they're cutting them off. It's, it's kind of scary, too, because almost by default in this case or a case similar to that, people are more worried about what their employer says, and they kind of forget about the LTD, which is, man, there's a lot of money there. You don't want to forget about that portion of it, right, and reach out to you guys. There can be a ton of money. We're talking yeah. about, again, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars that you could be owed by the insurance company, and they would love nothing more than you walking away from all that money and never looking back. I mean, yeah. just imagine, John, how many people actually do that. But, you know, that, that I, I just want to go back to something that James said, that people think that, you know, once they get paid for X amount of time or once, you know, the insurance company says X, then that's how it is. It mm-hmm. is X. You know, there's a, two days ago, I got a submission to our website, inyourcorner.ca, where you can fill out a very quick form and we can tell you within minutes if you have a case. Uh, and and this, this came through and, you know, this is what the person wrote. So first of all, they're 45 years old. They've been cut off um, LTD. That it's a lady. She has breast cancer. Uh, her doctors or treatment providers have said that she's unable to go back to work. And here's what she wrote in response to the question: mm-hmm. Why has the insurance company denied or cut off your LTD uh, claim? Here's what she wrote: "Quote: I have been off for the two years that is allotted. 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 Nice right? language. Yeah. yeah, but again, just you know, you have to really think about that for a second. People." assume that they only have two years under their LTD policy. Now, listen, maybe if they're 63 years old and the policy goes to 65, then that's then true. Yeah. Or, or right, we know that uh, the eligibility uh, uh, criteria for getting LTD changes at the two-year mark, right? For the first two years, you have to show that you can't do your own occupation. And by show, I mean your doctors have to state that. Mm-hmm. And beyond the two years, you have to prove, you have to show with your doctor's support that you can't do any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. Now, I don't know with this lady here if, in fact, she's able to go back to any type of work, a different type of work. I'm assuming, since she said that her doctors have said that she needs to be off work, that she should qualify beyond the two-year mark. But she's assuming that she only has those two years. And there's a ton of people out there who believe that really they only have two years under an LTD policy, and that is false. John, quick math. Let's say you're getting $3,000 a month. That's $36,000 a year for LTD. Let's assume that you are 40 years old and you got two years worth of LTD. That's a lot of money. So what about from age 43 until 65? I'm not going to do the math here. Okay, it's obscene how much the insurance company could potentially be pocketing here, money that is potentially owed to this individual and their family. It is 1-833 in your corner. Reach out to help at inyourcorner.ca or as uh, Savannah just mentioned, the website is inyourcorner.ca as well. Lots more to go. We'll get to it after a short break right here. This is In Your Corner 
on Global News Radio. One eight three three in your corner is the number. It is in your corner as well. James, you uh, recently were on, uh, on on Global TV and talking about a case. Um, you recently uh, give me some details on that before I uh, before I'm asking you and I'll tell you why I'm asking. Sure, and actually this sort of relates to something Savan was talking about at the top of the show about teachers. So we had a particular teacher named Julie Austin mm-hmm. who was involved in a very traumatic incident in her classroom where a student through a chair and she suffered a brain injury as a result of it and it's really had a terrible impact on her life she hasn't been able to work for quite some time and she was she was denied workers compensation she was denied cpp disability and she was denied long-term disability benefits and so global had run a story on her and uh, savon had seen it and managed to get in contact with her through global and we took on her case and just uh, in the last couple of weeks the insurance company has said, you know what, we were wrong. We're reinstating her back into claim. We're paying her for all of the benefits she should have gotten for the last two plus years. Outstanding. So that was a huge success. And I'm gonna, the reason why I mention this, because it just came up in a Google review after dealing with you guys, and this is as we taped the show about an hour ago that came in here. So I'm going to read this to you. This is nothing I wrote. This is something Julie Austin wrote. Uh, about that uh, particular case. It says, I will be forever grateful that this firm saw my story on Global News and sought me out to offer their services to me. Savannah Markin came to Barry to meet me um, as I have great difficulty driving as a result of my injuries. He, along with the others at the firm, were outraged over how I was being treated by my employer, and he explained what the firm could do to help me. His wealth of knowledge, strong morals, and kind nature gave me a much-needed sense of hope. He shared my story with James Fireman, who took on my case. James was incredible to work with. He was so passionate about my case and worked diligently, making all the right moves. He's outstanding in his field and is uh, just over a year got my insurance company to overturn their decision to deny my LTD claim. Thank you all for your efforts, giving my son and I hope for the future, and uh, that means to pay for the uncovered treatments necessary for my recovery. In sincere gratitude, Julie Austin. That is incredible. That is incredible, John. And I want to mention something about this. Not just with Julie, but we've had other cases as well where it's just so outrageous what insurance companies are doing. You know, when they go back and with their defense lawyers understand that really there is no way out, they're going to have to reverse their position. Otherwise, they're going to get hammered if we ever go before a judge. That's not the end for us, right? In these kinds of egregious circumstances, we go further than that. It's one thing for the insurance company to reinstate our client, pay them retroactively what they were owed, and start paying them month to month, you know, the LTD payments that they're supposed to get. We now want more. We want our clients to be compensated for the aggravation, for the pain that was caused to them, to their families. So, you know, for that, we basically go after punitive damages, general damages, aggravated damages. These are legal terms. Essentially, what they mean is that we want compensation and punishment. We want to punish the insurance company for acting in a high-handed way. And we're going to get that. If the insurance company truly wants to resolve the claim, we're going to get that from them. I'm not talking about Julie Austin specifically. I'm talking generally speaking with these insurance companies. They have to pay. They have to pay more than just, in my opinion, what, what they owe our clients. It doesn't happen in every circumstance, but in some circumstances, in some cases, the conduct is so egregious that it calls for extra money to our clients. 
You want to reach out, one eight three three in your corner help at inyourcorner.ca. Three ways you can make your long-term disability claim stronger. What do you say, guys? Well, this is funny. So, Savon was trying to look off of my page to you know, get I his was own answer before cheater. the show started. That's how he got through law school. <laughs> but I, yeah, no kidding. Uh, but I but I wouldn't share any of my answers with him. So, we don't know what each other said here. I've got my list. He's got right. his. So, I'm going to go through mine. Uh, I'll talk briefly about it, and then I want to hear what Savon came up with on yeah. his own. <laughs> <laughs> So, Apparently. Um, first and foremost, if you are not able to work, and this is you know just common sense, follow whatever treatment advice your doctors are giving you. If your doctors are saying that you need to get physiotherapy or that you should be on an exercise program or you should be taking this medication or that, follow that advice. And if you're having difficulty with it, go back to your doctor and explain it to them so that if you're not able to continue with it, you are at least able to document that why you haven't continued with that treatment. If you don't follow the treatment advice, they're just going to use it as a way to deny or cut off your claim. Number two, and we talk about this every single show, document every conversation that you have with your insurance company. Mm -hmm. This does two things. Number one, it sends a signal that you're not going to be a pushover and that you are recording what they are saying. That makes them much more cautious and much less eager to cut you off because they know it's much more likely that you're going to challenge them if they do cut you off. And the third thing, if you have the ability to do so, it is a good idea to look at what options you have to purchase additional insurance. There are all kinds of things that are available if you're getting long-term disability insurance. So one of the things we talk about all the time is that typically speaking in most policies after two years, you are the, the definition of disability changes from whether you can do your own occupation to any occupation. But very often, there's what's called a rider. It just means it's additional coverage for some extra money. It's usually not that much. And one of the riders that's often available is a own occupation rider. And what that simply means is instead of the definition changing after two years and it becoming more difficult for you to continue getting your benefits, it remains your own occupation. So if you're 30 years old and you have become injured and it's a permanent condition, it's a physical thing, you're not able to return to the job that you had. For the first two years, you're probably fine. But mm-hmm. after that, your insurance company is going to come after you and try and cut you off. But if you have this own occupation rider that says that the policy continues to, to be defined as whether or not you can return to your own job all the way up to age 65, wow. you're much more likely to keep your benefits. It's a much, much stronger case for you. And it's often not very expensive to top that up. Now, not everybody can afford it, but it is worthwhile when you're getting insurance to ask your broker or to ask your employer about the options that are available for additional insurance. Three ways to make your long-term disability claim stronger. We'll get to Savans after a short break. You want to reach out in the meantime, it is one in your corner and help at inyourcorner.ca as well. Lots more coming up. Stick around right here in your corner on Global News Radio. One eight three three in your corner. The number help at inyourcorner.ca to send along an email, and inyourcorner.ca is the place to go to find podcasts and other information about the show and to reach out there as well. We were talking about uh, before the break. James gave us his three. That is three ways you can make your long term disability claim stronger. All right, your turn, so pal. I will start now and give you the correct list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But here's something that I want to say. You know, John, you're saying three ways you can make your long-term disability claim stronger. I think that the opposite is also true. If you don't do what we say, these are ways of making your claim weaker. Okay? So it's really, really important for you to listen to these and take notes, hopefully. Number one, uh, if you are being treated by your family doctor and no one else, get referrals to specialists. 
okay? It's great to have your family doctor in your corner, but you also want someone else. So for example, if you're dealing with mental health issues, you want a referral to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or someone like that. If you're dealing with uh, osteoporosis, rheumatologist, I mean, you want to get specialists on your side. The more treating physicians are on your side saying that you are disabled from working, the more, you, the more power you're going to have over the insurance company's decision-making process. They're going to have a tough time arguing that despite all of these doctors, you, in fact, don't qualify for the LTD. So, again, you want to make sure you get a referral to specialists. Number two, make sure, and th- this is important, people don't understand this or don't do this for various reasons, make sure your doctors continue to send reports or give you reports or letters that you can pass on to the insurance company that explain why it is that you are still disabled from working. And those reports need to contain the following three things. Number one, what is the nature of your disability? Don't simply assume that the insurance company is going to glean that from some clinical notes and records. What is the nature? Why is it that you're disabled? That's number one. Number two, and this goes to James's point, what treatments have, the, have been prescribed to you and the fact that you are following those treatments. You want those doctors to confirm you're following the treatments. And the third item, this is crucial, they have to say that you are unable to work. If you have those three components and those reports keep coming to the insurance company, and I'm not saying you do this every week, maybe every few months, whatever, every case is different. But as long as you have those reports and letters going to the insurance company, it's going to make it that much harder for the insurance company to cut you off or deny your claim. The last item, and this is very important, and again, this is something that James uh, uh, talked about, and I agree 100%. I hope so, because his eyes are glazing. <laughs> Make sure that you comply with all the treatments that you, your doctors prescribe. Yeah. If you have any issue with any of the treatments, and I've had people calling me, telling me, listen, I can't take this particular drug. It's making me drowsy, whatever. Have a conversation with your doctors about it. Because I'll tell you, the insurance company is going to look through those clinical notes and records. They're going to try and match up whatever the, your doctors have said that you need to do and what you've actually done. And they're going to look, they're going to say, listen, if you had to go to your psychologist once a week and you've missed 50% of your appointments, that's a problem unless your doctors explain it, unless your doctors explain that that does not mean non-compliance. So compliance with treatment recommendations from your own treating doctors is vitally important. You want more information on any of these? Just uh, just call the guys. They'll they'll fill you in even even more. One eight three three in your corner is the number. The email is help at inyourcorner.ca. Shanata, first one up. Uh, Shanata says my sister's forty eight and she works as a medical transcriptionist for over fifteen years. She went on short term disability because she had a condition that affected the uh, cartilage in her wrists. And she also had nerve damage in her dominant right hand. She was denied LTD three times, although she was approved for CPP disability. If we start a legal claim, as you say, against the LTD insurer, will that affect the CPP disability? So first, John, I want to just go back to the the top three lists that we just had. And I think we'll have a a poll on inyourcorner.ca whose list was better. (laughs) Better. Um, And so I'd like everyone to go there and vote. Maybe we can get Ryan on that. The winner gets free set of steak. Hey, yo. <laughs> Third prize is you're fired. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's right. In any case, getting back to Shanata's email about CPP disability and the impact of a claim being brought for against your LTD insurer for the denial and how that will impact your CPP disability. It won't. Um, if, you, if you've been approved for CPP disability, that's a completely separate process. Um, Canada Pension Plan has really no interaction um, from its part with your LTD insurer. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they make their own decisions. It is a different test. It's similar, 
but it is the language is somewhat different. It's a tougher test to meet. And you know that means a couple things. Number one, as I said, first and foremost, whether you bring a claim or not, appeal, whatever, and don't appeal. But whatever you do with your LTD claim that doesn't have an impact on your CPP disability claim, that's number one. Number two, if you have been approved for CPP disability, that's a pretty good sign that you should be approved for your long-term disability. Because as I just mentioned, the test is tougher for CPP disability. And if you're getting that, it means in virtually all cases, you ought to be getting your, uh, your long-term disability, especially in the first two years, especially when the test is whether you can return to your own occupation. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break with that, get to some more questions and emails as well. You'll want to send one along, help at inyourcorner.ca and the number one eight three three in your corner. This is In Your Corner right here on Global News Radio. one in your corner is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca. Brian, your email is coming up here in just a, uh, a few minutes. So when an insurance company denies your LTD claim because your doctors haven't been able to pro- uh, properly diagnose your disability, I know you mentioned on going to see others and just your GP, uh, can you challenge the denial? Yes. Yes, you absolutely can. Now, look, we have to look at the particular LTD policy, but a case comes to mind, and I've mentioned that before on a prior show, with a lady who contacted us, uh, this was a few years back, and she was in her early 40s. She was very high-functioning before she started having neurological issues. And by neurological issues with her brain, I mean she had focus issues. You know, she felt like she had headaches. She had vision issues. And no neurologist that she went to see, and we're talking about some of the top people in the province, could diagnose what was wrong. They all agreed with their testing that, in fact, she was having these issues. She ended up moving with her mom, you know, to live with them because right. she, she wasn't able to function. Yep. And this, this is a lady who was making, by, by my recollection, close to $150,000 nice. a year, right? Early 40s. She was in, in programming. And so anyways, uh, the insurance company took the position that because there was no formal diagnosis, they're not going to approve her LTD claim which, again, I thought that was insane after I reviewed the policy, and I I saw that there was no requirement for a diagnosis. And most policies, in fact, I don't think I've seen a policy that says you have to have a diagnosis. No, I haven't either. They may have exclusions. That's that's one thing. They may say we don't cover X, Y, and Z or pre-existing issues, whatever. But the requirement is, are you totally disabled from doing your job? Every neurologist she went to see, and she saw, I think, over 10, they've done CAT scans, MRIs. They said she is disabled. So, of course, we start a claim. And it's a prominent insurance company we're going after. And we had a very very senior defense lawyer assigned to the case. And, John, I I kid you not, within months of starting the legal claim, we were at a mediation, and we settled for mid-six figures. I know. Okay? This was a significant claim, a very significant claim. But had she walked away, like many people do, unfortunately, she would have lost all that money, all that money that is owed to her. Clearly, it was owed to her because the insurance company wasn't paying that out of charity. But it's only because her mother contacted me and I went to see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was clear to me when I spoke with her, she was not functioning very well. And so, you know, it's a tragic circumstance, but we had an amazing result and she's very happy. And the insurance company ultimately was forced to do what they had to do under the contract. This is a, a really interesting scenario. So I, the the law is very clear on this. The law does, you know, is very clear that it is not about your diagnosis. It's about your symptoms. There is a recent case in the Supreme Court of Canada, the top court in the country, and it says very clearly the analysis is on the symptoms not on the diagnosis. And that's for a very good reason. Medical science advances over time. We don't always understand what's going on. 
but the symptoms are what have the impact on your day-to-day life. They are what um, causes functional limitations and ultimately an inability to do your work in some cases. And so that's where the analysis is. If medical science hasn't advanced to the point where we're able to understand what label we should put on it, that doesn't mean you're not disabled. Right. You are still suffering from the same symptoms. The fact that the medical community hasn't agreed what to call that is irrelevant. It is about whether or not you can do your job. And that's what the courts have decided time again and most recently in the top court in the country. And so what you really have, and this isn't unknown to insurance companies, but they still rely on that. They will still use the fact that you don't have a diagnosis as a way to cut off your claim. They'll use that as a justification. And it sounds like it's really bad news for you because you'll know you don't have a diagnosis. You're suffering from all these conditions and no doctor can tell you. And they say, we don't know what it is. So you're well aware of that. And then you hear your insurance company say, well, there's no diagnosis, sorry, you don't get your benefits. And you know a lot of people will just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Don't, that's not what the analysis is. If your insurance company is telling you that you're not entitled to your benefits because you don't have a diagnosis. What you do is, first of all, what we're saying the entire time, every single show, document the conversation. Say, you told me I'm not entitled to my benefits because I don't have a diagnosis. I would like you to show me where in the policy it says I'm not entitled to benefits if I don't have a diagnosis. Please show me the specific provision and provide me with a copy of that, please. And they're not going to respond because it's not in the policy. There's nothing there. So either they'll give no response or they'll back off of that and they'll say, oh, no, well, we never said it's because you don't have a diagnosis. And then they'll try and change their tune somewhat, which is good. It's good. It knocks them off of that position and it shows them that you're not going to take what they say without a challenge. Yeah, I know. I agree with 100%. And John, one of the things that we deal with at the firm is um, you know, brain injuries from car accidents, even slip and falls. Yeah. And oftentimes we deal with mild traumatic brain injuries and insurance companies will respond back saying, well, it's just a mild traumatic <sighs> brain injury. The impairment should not be that significant. You should be back on your feet within a few months. And in fact, we have a case right now that comes to mind that I was just talking with one of our associates where they've hired uh, a... a, a um, an expert, quote unquote, uh, to opine that this mild traumatic brain injury that our client suffered, uh, in fact, she should have recovered from that within a matter of months. And yet our client is being treated by one of the foremost neuropsychiatrists in the country. This guy is the head of his department in the hospital, and he's the guy who usually lectures other doctors. And when we spoke with him about that other expert's, quote unquote, opinion, he had a fit almost. He says, this is science from 20 years ago. So it's really, really crucial to understand if you, you know, if you were in an accident, I know I'm deviating from long-term disability, but it's important people understand we deal a lot with car accidents and really significant injuries. If you or someone you know is struggling with that, with an insurance company, contact us, have a chat with us. Let us tell you what it is that you can do, your friends can do, your family, whoever it is that's suffering from this. We've been there. We've been there. We've dealt with it. We deal with it every day. Simple to reach out. one 833 corner Help at inyourcorner.ca as well. As promised, Brian, your email is up next. I know you just sent it along, so we will, uh, we'll get to that after a short break right here on In Your Corner on Global News Radio. one 833 your corner That is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca to send along an email and simply inyourcorner.ca to find out uh, more information about the show, how you can reach out and contact, catch the podcast of past shows, and, uh, and more stuff just like that. I know you want to comment before I move on to, as promised, Brian's email, uh, James. Uh, what's up? 
Well, we were just talking about uh, mental health claims and um, and brain injuries and how they're often treated by insurance companies. And I think it's important because it illustrates one of the one of the fundamental methods that insurance companies will use to deal with these kinds of claims and to cut them off. What they like to do is they like to put claims in a certain box. And they will look at the claim very superficially. Okay, this is a mild traumatic brain injury. They won't look at the context. They won't look at all of the other factors. They'll just say, okay, mild traumatic brain injury. And they'll look up in a textbook and say, well, in that case, it should um, be clear in three to six months without looking at the other factors that are going on. And if you look any deeper at all, you'll see that there are all kinds of factors that will affect the outcome, some of them really significantly, especially if you're already suffering from other mental health issues. That's a, you know, that, that is a big red flag for any brain injury. And so without looking deeper, and if you have someone who's just doing a paper review, they're not looking deeper, um, they're going to get an opinion that isn't based on a foundation that makes any sense or has relevance to that particular person. And so it's really important that you don't just accept what your insurance company is telling you that their doctors are saying, because almost in every case, not in every case, but almost every case, they will not have the full context. And any doctor who is providing an opinion without a full context is not well informed. They may know the, they may know the medicine up and down. They may be the strongest doctor in their field. But if they're basing it on incomplete information, then their opinion is simply not going to hold water. Email is promised. Brian, yours is up. Brian writes in, guys, uh, help at inyourcorner.ca. Brian says, my mother slipped and fell on a wet floor inside a large department store earlier uh, this year. She broke her hip and her collarbone, and now she has someone coming to her apartment to help her several hours a day. She's 67 years old. And before this accident, she was uh, she was very active. Does she deserve some kind of compensation for her injury? A passerby took photos of the area after the fall and showed that there were uh, there were no warning signs. So, Brian, l- let me answer this by by saying that I used to defend claims like this for insurance right. companies, and I can tell you that I can't recall one claim that I had ever defended that my client did not pay out a significant amount of money for a, a hip fracture like this. And, you know, some of these, the numbers that come to mind that my clients have paid in the past are in the two, three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. $600,000. Why? Because it's not just the injury that is significant for this elderly person, but it's also about the care that this person now needs at home or modifications to their home. Right. Now, remember, the first point of analysis in any slip and fall or trip and fall is liability. Can we establish that whoever owned or took care of the premises where the injury occurred is in fact at fault. You as the person who's starting a legal claim have that onus. You have to prove that. But here we have photos that were taken that shows that the place, that the, the, the floor was wet and there were no warning signs. I would want to know and understand what systems were in place by that store to make sure that they clean up the area. When do they put signs? Where do they put signs? Where did the fall actually happen? Uh, you know, is it a high traffic area? I can tell you just, again, on the face of this email, John, that Brian had sent, there is likely compensation that is owed to his mother and not only to his mother, but to whoever, whatever family members have been affected by this. Remember, when you're injured, somebody's responsible for your injury. Under the Family Law Act in, in Ontario, uh, you as a family member can actually have your own claim for loss of 
care, guidance, companionship, for the fact that you don't have that same person. I mean, Brian is now right. going to have a different mother, really. The really, relationship may change between them. And, or, and also for anything you're out of pocket for. I was going to say, if you, if you literally Google Family Law Act, go to Section 61, the, the legislation enumerates. It actually says what you can get compensation for as a family member of someone who's injured or someone who died. So it's absolutely critical in these instances Again, to seek legal advice, and we do this, again, day in and day out across the province. We speak with people whose family members, friends, or themselves have been injured. Terrible injuries, John, sometimes are catastrophic. But it's important to get the information immediately so that you know exactly how to proceed and what benefits you can access with which insurance company at any given point. I think a lot of people don't know that if, you know, if you're in this situation, it's your mom and now you got to go into work every day two hours late and you're losing money. It's because compensable. Just, yeah, you can get money for that. Absolutely right? you can. In fact, not only can you, you should. You sh- and if you don't, and, and so this is a good point, by the way, going back again to what I said about defending these claims, I remember uh, shutting down claims, settling claims when the opposing lawyer, the person representing the family, mm-hmm undersettled the claims. There's a claim that comes to mind with a lady actually who was in her early 60s who had a shoulder injury, a shoulder fracture, very, very terrible injury. She had two sur- two surgeries on it. It was a massive claim. It was a claim that I remember assessing at around three to $400,000. I ended up selling the claim for the insurance company at less than 100000 because Jeez. the other lawyer didn't know what they were doing. Either that or he was trying to make a quick buck. So again, you have to be very, very careful who you choose to represent you and your family you know, it can mean the difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. Simple uh, to reach out and get these guys on the case. Savannah James and their team, one eight three three in your corner. Help at inyourcorner.ca as well. We'll bounce over to uh, another email after a short break. Right here on In Your Corner. one eight three three in your corner is the number to use. It is uh, help at inyourcorner.ca for an email address. Sandra says, my mother uh, has a rare form of skin cancer. And she underwent chemo and various other treatments. Uh, She's very weak, but despite that, her long-term disability insurer says that her two years are coming up and uh, that it's time for her to try to go back to work. She can't. She's still very sick. And her job as an executive at an ad company is is quite demanding. Her doctors wrote the insurer saying that she's not ready yet, but they uh, they already set the date for her to stop getting payments, which is on April 15th, so it's not that far away. Uh, How can we stop them from cutting her off? Great question, and thanks for writing on behalf of your mother, Sandra. So this is a very common situation. The claimant is reaching the two-year mark in their benefits, and as we discuss on most shows, that is what we refer to as the change of definition. It's when your entitlement to benefits under the policy becomes more difficult. The test changes from whether you can continue in your own occupation, um, in in your mother's case, Sandra, as a TV executive, or whether you can do any occupation after the two-year mark. It's a much tougher test. And so rightfully, there are a lot of times when the insurance company will take the position that you're no longer entitled to benefits. But that doesn't mean that applies to everybody. And in your mother's case, based on what you're telling us, Sandra, it, it sounds like she has the full support of her doctors. Um, more, m- most likely that um, not only she can't do the job that she had before, but that she wouldn't really be in a condition to do any occupation that she's qualified for by training, education, or experience. And that's really the test that we have to look at. So you don't want to take what they are saying um, as the final word. It is not. It can certainly be challenged. So what can you do? Start a claim now. 
give us a call. We'll, we'll get in contact with you. We can start a legal claim right now, two months before she's going to be denied her benefits. It may not be the case that we're able to resolve it before she's actually cut off, but it may not take much longer beyond that. It is only two months away, and oftentimes it can take a little bit longer than that. But even so, you don't want to wait until the date that you're actually not receiving your benefits anymore. If you do that, it's just going to take that much longer. It's two months away now. You wait two months, you're going to wait an extra two months to resolve the claim as well. You know, guys, we, we talk about in Savannah, I know you've talked about on past shows, many of them that you sometimes have to go to the insurance company's doctor for an assessment. Well, sometimes those doctors even lay out a treatment plan for you. What happens if they give you one to follow, say you have to follow it, but your doctor disagrees and it's not appropriate? What do you do? I think that you need to follow your doctor's recommendations. And presumably your doctor has your best interest at heart. I mean, there's no reason to doubt that. Uh, and if that doctor has seen the recommendations by the insurance doctor and believes that, you know, the treatments are good for you, they'll tell you that they're good for you and then you should try and do them. Mm -hmm. If they're telling you, no, they're not good for you, you should probably quiz them on it and say, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, whatever James and I talk about from a legal standpoint, that's, there's another issue here, which is the health of the person. Every person listening who is dealing with a disability ultimately is, you know, trying to get better. That's really the goal here. We're not interested in speaking or dealing or representing anyone who is just, you know, a malingerer or just wants to stay at home and collect a paycheck. That's not the point of LTD. The point is that you're trying to get better, but you, you're having difficulties and it's yeah. going to be a long process. So if your doctors are saying to you, we've reviewed the recommendations by the insurance doctors and we don't agree with them for X and Y reasons, my advice is follow what your doctors are saying. Very important though, if your doctor is telling you that the treatment recommendations by the insurance company or their doctors is inappropriate, you want them to document that. Yes. You want you want them to write down the specific reasons why this treatment is inappropriate for you and why you shouldn't go through with it, why it might even be harmful, and make sure that that winds up in the hands of the insurance company so that you can say down the road, you knew that this was inappropriate and you used it for a basis for cutting me off. You weren't entitled to do that. So make sure that that information is there. The other thing, though, that you need to understand from a very practical standpoint is if the insurance company hires a doctor to either assess you or even just do paper review and suggest that you get particular treatment and you refuse to do it, even if it's with your doctor's support, there's a pretty good chance that your insurance company is going to cut you off as a result of that. That's likely going to happen, but it's going to happen anyway. And so you have to make a decision at that point in time whether it's worthwhile to undergo that treatment that your doctor says is unnecessary in order to prolong your benefits. And so it may be a case where your doctor says it's unnecessary, but if it's not going to be harmful to you, you may consider whether or not it's worthwhile to do it anyway. As long as it's not going to hurt you, um, you know, I'd be careful about it because if they're sending you to a particular provider, there's a reason for that. But if it's not going to hurt you, then it may be worthwhile doing it as long as your doctor says it won't hurt you just to prolong your benefits. If your doctor says, though, not only is it unnecessary, but it's inappropriate and it's going to set you back, you can't do it. You got to listen to your doctor's advice. Last question, guys. So you got about two minutes for this one. Um, we've talked about past shows, uh, surveillance. Um, is it legal? And what should the disabled individuals know about it? What should they be doing? So, John, first of all, it is legal. Right. Uh, and I would uh, plug in a future show. In a few weeks, we're actually going to have uh, 
the owner of a prominent surveillance company, awesome. actually come on the show, awesome. and we're going to ask him uh, some, some tough questions. Uh, he agreed to come on and to talk to us about exactly what interactions he has with insurance companies and the parameters of the instructions that they give him and what he looks for and his guys look for whenever they're surveying uh, claimants, whether it's from uh, insurance companies that are dealing with disability claims or personal injury claims. But here's the thing, it is legal. If you have started an injury claim or are thinking about that, or you have an LTD claim, chances are your insurance company is contemplating doing surveillance. They don't do it in every single case. It costs some money, right? It does cost them a lot of money. I mean, in my experience, and remember, I used to do defense, so I used to order surveillance myself on individuals. Of course, I don't do it now since I represent people, but... Uh, you know, it will cost them, I would say, in the vicinity of $1,000 a day. Mm. They're not interested in having you survey 365 days a year. They're not going to do that. They're going to pick, let's say, a long weekend in the summer or during the holidays to see if they can get you, you know, shopping or going to the park or the lake or whatever. So it is legal. There are some parameters. They can't go, they can't interact with you. They can't speak with you, touch you, anything like that. They can't go into your home. They cannot go into your home. But they can film you and they can photograph you and they do that. But we've had situations, and James can talk to that because it happened actually with Julie Austin, where they'll do surveillance and then they'll try and sell it to you, not to us, but to the individual who's unrepresented and tell him, aha, we've done surveillance. It shows that you went outside for five minutes and took three steps. Therefore, you are not disabled. Right. I mean, we've we've had surveillance where not only did it not show that our client is lying, but it actually proved what our client was saying. Oops. So it's legal, but it's not always a bad thing for us. That'll do it for another week, fellas. Uh, from here, one eight three three in your corner is the way to contact email, as we've been reading from today as well. Help at inyourcorner.ca or simply inyourcorner.ca for lots more information about the show, where you can catch the podcast and otherwise. Till next time, this has been in your corner, right here on Global News Radio.